Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Investors Advantage and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of the author, may not actually come to pass, and should not be construed as a recommendation of any security or investment plan. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Welcome to Fiscal Fitness with your hosts, John Grace and Daniel Medina. They have all the questions about investing, planning, retirement, and the future. You could say it's all they live for. While it can seem daunting getting everything sorted out and the important questions answered, they'll do their best to make it that much easier. Now, here's John Grace and Daniel Medina. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. John Grace and Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Delighted you could spend some time with us this afternoon, and we're going to talk about what's going on. And we'll call today a wonderful Wednesday, but, uh, you know, we have to be prepared for the wild and wacky Wednesdays as well, along with the weeks that follow oftentimes in August, September, and October, interestingly enough. So uh, we like to uh, lead off with a discussion as to how the markets are doing. Uh, and look at the markets from the standpoint of year-to-date. So that's uh, the Dow, the S&P, and the NASDAQ. That's year-to-date would be from January 1 through today. And, of course, the market's closing in about 57 minutes or so. And, and by the way, as we've noted before, particularly last Wednesday, we uh, talked about the markets, and they were in an up mode. And then in the last 20 minutes or so, the bottom fell out. Uh, that, was a, that was a wild Wednesday. Looked up in the morning through about 1220 12.40, and then 20 minutes or so, it just uh, all fell apart. So that's the thing. You know, sometimes you think you see the direction it's going. You look again and go, oh, my goodness, it's completely changed direction. Exactly. And that's what we want you to be prepared for, as opposed to feel like it's shock and awe again. Uh, I mean, in the, in the old days, right, all we had to worry about was Russia, right? Get under the, the chair in your desk, uh, stow away in a, in a doorway for an earthquake, and that was about it. Today, it seems like every nanosecond you blink and there's something else coming your way and it's headed straight for you. So when we look at the Dow, uh, year to date, we're up 15.83%. Uh, I mean, that's a great run for the year, just through January through today, and uh, up about 58 points. It was in negative territory. And as I say, stay tuned because it's still, it's, there's still light in the end of this trading day. So you don't know how it's going to turn out. And, and, and again, we like looking at it over the longer term and also seeing, identifying the trends that we're seeing, things that concern us, things that we find as good news, but don't be complacent and just think all trees grow to the sky because you know better than that and take your eye off the ball because then things go awry right before your very eyes and you didn't see it coming. And now, as we call it, an OS moment, of course, that stands for oh shucks. With the S&P, we're up about uh, almost 12 points, 11.87. And again, year to date, 19.78. Those are great annualized numbers and they're really strong numbers for the first, what, eight months or almost nine months of, uh, of the year. And then when we look at the, the, the NASDAQ, again, strong numbers up 29 points so far today, uh, year to date up 16.74. So that's what we're seeing and the things that we wanna talk about what are we seeing in terms of uh, 401k plan participants? Uh, what, are, what are they saying they need to, to retire with? And, you know, my first question is, which cheek did that number come from? Okay, because some of these things just seem to be completely uh, out of the blue. And then we'll talk about how fascinating that the majority of the workforce apparently will be motivated to look for a new job within the next 12 months. And finally, we're, we're seeing a very, 
very interesting play happen uh, with the bulls and the bears, in particular one bull who believes that uh, all trees do grow to the sky. Uh, and yet one very well-known bear now, uh, after the last debacle 2008, betting strongly against her. So it'll be interesting to see uh, which one wins the fight between the bull and the bear. And by the way, notice when it comes to bulls and bears in their natural habitat, while the bear will bear down on its victim, the bull will throw its victim up in the air and then come down when the, after the victim has come down, come over and gore it. So it's fascinating there's a bull and bear. That's not all good news for either side if you want to live, but that's where these things come from, a bull and a bear. And again, who's going to be the winner? But in the meantime, how can you make sure you're not the loser would really be the question to, 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 to really spend some time on. So let's take a look at uh, something we found thanks to Yahoo Finance. And that's uh, what 401k plan participants say they need to save uh, how much for retirement. Uh, and Daniel, this is really interesting because uh, the numbers keep going up. Uh, not long ago, it was a million dollars. And now the Schwab Retirement Plan Services find that uh, 401k plan participants across the country now believe they must save $1.9 million for retirement. And this was a survey handled by uh, Logica Research with a thousand interviews with plan participants between ages 21 and 70 and gauge their confidence levels for achieving their own retirement goals. Now, this is all interesting, their confidence levels. And we have to ask, based on what exactly? Okay, it almost doubled from a million before, now it's 1.9 million. Where did that amount of money come from? Now, we'll talk about the strategies and what you can do to increase your odds. But first, uh, Daniel, what do you think about this in terms of it was a million, now it's 1.9 million? Where, where, do you, where do you think this number was originated? No idea. But this actually reminds me of a story, story that, that I think it was the first time I started hearing about this kind of stuff. And this was in high school from my Spanish teacher. And for whatever reason, she started talking about finances and uh, what you need to retire. And it was really random because it's a Spanish class. And she said, yeah, you need a million dollars to retire. And I think uh -huh. that was her target for her and her husband. And this was when I was in high school. So 20 something years ago, <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, I guess I'm getting, guess I'm getting kind of old, but <laughs> uh, that was, that was their target, but it was amazing. Cause I, I remember thinking that's a lot of money. How's anyone going to put together that much money? And I was what, 17 or 18 at the time, but it, it, that's the first time I ever heard that number. And it, it was, it was random. And over the years, as I'm doing this work, that, that number a million dollars has come up over and over again as, as a target that people think they need to accumulate to, to be able to retire well. And I think the only reason people use that number is because it sounds like a lot of money and it's nice and round. And it must be, it must be that simple. Make it a big number. It, it's nice and round. And all you have to do is make up the number and then you'll achieve it, right? Yeah. So it's simple as that. Okay. And if you if you're if you're if you're 20 years old and just starting to work or 30 years old and just starting to put money away, it's it's not so hard. And it just gets harder and harder as you get older because the the truth is you you lose time on your side when you do it. But what's lacking, which is what we talked about a lot on the show, is the any kind of research or education behind what you actually need. 1.9 is, as far, as far as retirement savings, is better than a million. It's also twice as much, so it's harder to get to. But 
this this study, this particular study has nothing to do with what people actually need, just what people want to accumulate with regardless of what their goals are, what their situation is, how much income they might have later, where they're going to live. All those things are very important when you're doing this work. Well, and that's what makes it so fascinating. On the one hand, uh, yeah, it's a big number, but I mean, if you have, uh, let's just round up to $2 million because it makes it simple. If you have $2 million today using the 4% withdrawal, that's what, uh, an amount annually of four times two is $80,000 a year. And and see, this is the point, folks. Is that sufficient for you? Don't just come up with some number that somebody believes to be true and say it's a big round number, so I'm going to make that my number. The question is, what is your number? And remember, last week we were talking about a case study, a young lady who was retired from one of the airlines, uh, all of 32 years old. And if I'm not mistaken, Daniel Hergel, after we worked through the numbers, which means you can't do this at home, you're probably not going to get any help from your friends. I'm not sure there's anything anywhere on the internet you can you can use a tool that actually accounts for your numbers. I, I don't know if there is, but uh, you know, I would I would be suspect if there, if there happens to be because they're probably missing something. But the point is, her goal at 32 is 3.4 million dollars, and that is to get the equivalent of five thousand dollars a month or sixty thousand dollars a year. 38 years from now when she's age 70 and we accounted for, I don't think there's a pension, but there is social security. We accounted for that. So we're solving for the difference. Now for the first time ever, she has something that most people don't know. She's not just throwing darts in the dark, making up numbers from one cheek to the other. She knows exactly what it takes to produce the results that she's trying to achieve. Um, and that meant, uh, Daniel, was it about $1,100 a month she needs to save, getting a 7 or 8% annualized return, keeping her $32,000 in, uh, in our 401k intact in an IRA rollover. Uh, we saw that by just taking out $5,000, she has to actually take out $7,000. But the difference in 38 years between a balance of $32,000 today versus $25,000 in 38 years is, uh, what was it, $130,000 to her bottom line. So clearly, if she can afford to keep a hold of the total, that helps make a big difference more than most people imagine. You know, what's $7,000? Well, what's $130,000? I think we'd agree it's a lot more. But look to see what it is you're trying to do. It's a personal question. And then notice that we see that uh, for the Center for Retirement Research at Boston College, they've calculated the meeting retirement savings across several age groups. For those 35 to 44, it's like 51,000. For 45 to 54, it's 90,000. For 55 to 64, generally that's uh, getting pretty close to pulling the plug, right? A whopping 120,000. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's unfathomable how people have such low numbers and then they come up with a big round number. But again, they don't take the time to see first, is that their number? And second, if you've got 50, 90, 100 today, well, what do you need to contribute to get from where you are to where you want to be, whether 65 or 70 or 75, the, the math is so important. And, and, that, and that's something you do, Daniel. So it's fascinating that you had the experience in high school where uh, your Spanish teacher of all the people, all experts, comes up with a million dollars, and that was 20 years ago. And now people are saying, no, it should be 1.9. Yeah, it's very random. It's probably needs to be even today. 1.9 is such, it's such an awkward number. I'm really curious how people got to it. But if you, even if you if you round it up to two, if you round it up to 2 million, like you said, now that's 80,000 from your retirement accounts, 
plus if it's if it's if it's a couple both getting social security that's another 60,000 a year if you're at age 70 so now it's 80 plus 80 plus 60 that's 140 $140,000 a year in retirement say in retirement income you're not you're not doing bad but the the question is is that enough if you're used to making 250 and now you're going to 140 well, you're not doing so well. If you're used to making 140 and now you got 140, you're, you're doing pretty well. So it's a it's a very personal question. And I don't know how we can, as an industry, we can just generalize these numbers and call it good work. Well, you're reminding me of a, a couple of good clients of ours, Daniel. Remember, they were earning about $100,000 each and they knew that they could get by on one salary. So the one decided to give up their big job and let the other carry the load and they were both just fine with that. And then, I don't know, what was it? Three, four months later, they're like, we're going to Corner Bakery. We're using coupons and we feel poor. So that's the whole point, folks. What do you need for them? It's close to 200,000. It's just what they need to live life the way they choose to live life. And getting by on 50% less for them just wasn't acceptable, (laughs) but they tested it. And these folks are good savers. So when we look at a 35-year-old with all of $51,000 set aside for retirement, you may have to set aside $900 per month over the next 30 years to reach your $1.9 million. Again, is that enough for you? Question mark. Older workers would have to save much more each month, of course, because older, we older people are, have to have less time. So if you're 45 with 90000 saved, You've got to sock away a whopping $2,400, $2,475, nearly $2,500 per month to get to that magic $1.9 million mark by age 65. And for those who are 55 with $120,000 saved would have to do some, what you know might be serious catch up and save nearly $9,000 per month to reach their goal within 10 years by age 65. And that arbitrary goal is $1.9 million. And the crazy thing is that that big ass number of $9,000 savings per per month, that's around the age people usually wake up and start looking at this thing, at this kind of stuff where they, they, they've kind of neglect, neglected it for, their, for 20 years that they've been working, just kind of doing the minimum. They've put together what they feel like is a lot of money. And then they come to us and ask us, okay, here's here's my 120,000. I want to retire in 10 years. How am I going to do it? <laughs> Hope and a prayer. Okay. Hope and a prayer. And we got no, I got no answers for you. You got to save every penny that you earn just about to be able to make this work. And it's just not feasible. And that's as an industry, we don't we don't talk about this enough. Because it's 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 the time that makes the such a huge difference. Saving nine hundred dollars when you're thirty five is a huge difference than saving nine thousand dollars when you're fifty five. Man, you yeah, might be able to do it at like thirty. You might be able to do it at thirty five. Right. You're not going to be able to do it at fifty five. Very 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 unlikely. Okay. Very unlikely. And that's why it's so important to take the time to look at your numbers, because see, we just do it backwards and no other country I think is any better, but we do it backwards from the standpoint. It's all about your bills and getting your bills paid. And then if there's any money left at at the end of the month, that's what you save. And that's my point. That's entirely backwards. Who's going to make you number one other than you? I mean, GMAC, wherever you finance the car, the house, right? They're going to get their money or they're going to take back the asset. Who's going to make sure you have enough money? And that's why we say 
you know, starting when you're young, it might only be 10%, but what's the ratio that you need to save so that you can see what it might take to get to your destination on time safely? Is it 15% of your gross before taxes at the beginning of the month, not at the end of the month where you have too much month at the end of the money? No, make yourself numero uno, priority number one, and start at least at 10%, and it may need to be 20 or 30% of your gross every month until you stop working so that you can afford to make work optional. And by that, we mean people don't get excited about retirement. I understand that, but I can tell you the people who can see they're on track to retire really go to work with a whole different attitude because they know at some point, and in some cases it's today, they could say, take this job and put it somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't wanna do this anymore and I'm just fine. And I know what I'm gonna do next. They've already put their plan in place and they can see how they're, they're going to accomplish what it is they're trying to accomplish. I, I think that's the point. Anything else here, Daniel? No, I, I think, I think we've, we've sufficiently kind of tackled that part. <laughs> Beat up <laughs> right. the industry. <laughs> Beat up the industry. Well, folks, like Daniel's been on board since 2006. I, I was first licensed uh, late 78, early 79. So we say that, certainly I do, we apologize for our profession because frankly, uh, we just leave people in the dark. Uh, we'll put your money somewhere and cheer when it goes up and tell you too bad if it goes down and leave your money on the roller coaster so it can just crash and burn and then ask you, do you have any more? Don't you have some more? <laughs> Don't you want to do this again? And so the real question becomes, is that the ride you want to be on? Maybe you like to be on it like that personally, but not with your life savings. And, and therein lies the distinction. So that's part of the reason why we do this show, because we see some very different um, capabilities that people can employ. It's just that the industry for the most part looks the same today as it did 40 years ago, like nothing's changed. There's no technology advancements. There are no new tools. There's no different ways of thinking. It's just buy and hold, hold and hope, sit and take it. And if you can, buy the dips. So on that note, we're gonna take a short break and we'll pick up on the other side, looking at, uh, is it the case that a lot of uh, workers are gonna be looking for a new job in 12 months? Is that what's going on here? We'll find out when we come back, so please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, folks. John Grace, Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Delighted you could join us. And by the way, please feel free to pick up my book. Making Finance Make Sense. It's available on eBay as well as uh, Amazon. And if you'd be so kind, uh, provide us with some favorable comments. And that way I can realize the goal after you write the book, you think you're done, and then you find out, no, you're not. Now you need to get it on the bestsellers list. And apparently that's the ticket. Uh, the more favorable comments, say five different bestsellers lists where your book can show up. That's my goal for 2021. Appreciate your help along those lines. And by the way, speaking of help, we still see this COVID thing, right? It's not going away. It's one variation after the other. So we're continuing to provide free financial planning services to all essential workers. That's a cost nationwide from what we can find of about $2,000. We'll be in office or on Zoom, take 90 minutes, help the uh, individuals or individual discover what do you need to make work optional? What happens if the breadwinner dies too soon? Either one, married or not. And then to the extent that there are children, how are we going to be at the graduations and cry? Because not only did they finish, but nobody is sitting on a whole lot of debt because uh, that's been squared away well in advance. So nobody has to wear that uh, uh, cross, if you will, for the rest of their lives because it just impedes a whole lot of activity. So speaking of activity, we find something interesting, again, thanks to uh, Yahoo Finance, about how many people are looking for a new job. And in the next 12 months. Break it down for us here, Daniel. So this is this is interesting. Um, when you when you this was a study done by Bankrate, I believe it was. Bankrate, yes. Bankrate.com. And what they found was 55% of workers will be looking for a new job in the next 12 months. That's a lot. That sounds, I don't know what the number usually is, but 55% sounds like a lot. That's the majority of workers are going to be looking for new employment. And when you break it down, what they find is the, the number one reason is higher pay. At 53% of the people looking that will be looking for a new job are going to be looking for higher pay. That makes sense to me when you look at the amount of payrolls going up for, for, for companies. It just hasn't kept up with inflation over the years. And if the only way you're going to get paid more money is to look for a new job, that's what you're forced to do. And that it's an interesting, it's interesting perspective when you look at inflation, what inflation has been doing. And if people are going to be pay, going to new jobs to get more money as a more reason, that's going to help sustain inflation going forward. That's not necessarily a good thing. Yeah, some economists admit that uh, wageflation is the primary component of inflation. So when, you know, on the one hand, if you're complaining about prices going up, you have to recognize to the extent that you're looking for a higher income, 
you're helping those prices increase <laughs> across the board. And when it comes maybe to lumber, that may wax and wane. When it comes to income, when we're working, typically as we get more income, we don't get less income. So that stays in, uh, in motion on a forward basis. And, and now they broke it down by ages. What, what do you see there? 77% of Gen Zers, which is uh, today age 18 to 24, will be looking for Oh, new for group, new Gen, Gen Zers, 18 to 24, okay. Gen Zers, yeah, that's the new one. That's the new term. Um, 63% of millennials, which is 25 to 40 today, will be looking for new jobs. Those are large numbers, very large numbers, especially to get yeah. the Gen Zers. I'm not sure what jobs they're, they're at or what jobs they're going to, but that's a large percentage of, of workers that are going to be looking for, for, for new employment. Well, in 77% for the math challenge, that's almost eight out of 10 uh, for the group 18 to 24. And for that's the group, all. Yes, that's everybody, right? <laughs> 25 to 40, it's a little over six out of 10. So these are really interesting uh, things going on here right before our very eyes. It, it is. And what this article submits, which is something we've been talking about for a long time, is a, part of the reason it's such a large percentage is the financial flexibility. These groups have more financial flexibility because of fewer obligations. That means less houses, less kids, less married people, less of those things that people used to do in their what 18 to 40 year range that you're just that they're just not doing as much of anymore. And if you're single and renting at age 30, you have the flexibility to do all those things. You don't have, you're not stuck to where you're at today because you have to provide for your three kids and pay your mortgage and, and pay all your obligations. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and what's the number one reason? Uh, is it, is it flexibility? And then closely followed uh, job security, which is kind of interesting. I want job security, but I'm willing to give up this job so that I have better job security at the next job. Yes. So the number <laughs> the number two reason why they're looking to move is job security, which is counterintuitive to me. Just because if you're looking for if you're looking for a new job to pay you more, then you're not really looking for jobs. You want to be secure of your job, but you don't want to, you don't want your job to be secure of you. I think that's that's a little counterintuitive to me. Yeah, yeah, a little oxymoron of it running around over there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And then number three on that list is pay time off and vacation at 35%, and 24% of them are looking for a better job, a work culture. Hmm. Wonder how you know that. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's it. Yeah, my work culture sucks. I want to change it. Uh, maybe I don't like the boss. Maybe I want to like more people that are my age. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, that goes back to the majority of this this group, the the the, the Gen Zers. That's I think what they're as a group. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for that work environment that really kind of caters to them as opposed to the, the work, as opposed to the other way around, they'll kind of, they'll adjust to whatever the work environment is. That's just a different, that's just a different mindset. Well, in this inflation, right, the Fed wants us to believe it's just transitory. That's a kind of a new word. Uh, we're not convinced it's transitory. We think it's not going away. Uh, and in fact, when we look at July, I think it was about a 5% increase relative to inflation at about the same rate back in June. Is that right? So uh, 
things are becoming more expensive. And yes, it is the case that uh, since 1970, in fact, this was uh, Forbes 2016, if I'm not mistaken, may, had a very good case that 90% of Americans were actually financially better off in the early 1970s than they are today, 90%. And the primary reason is that the, that's what, over 50 years, we all think we're making progress, but yeah, wages have not kept pace with home costs, healthcare costs, car costs, higher education costs, health, uh, income has been what, maybe two or 3% relative to their uh, gains. And some of those costs, particularly when it comes to higher education, it's been more like five, six, seven percent, depending on the institution of higher learning. So a lot of these expenses have increased much more dramatically than wages. And and back in the 1970, when we can see the average household income was about all of ten thousand uh, dollars, and yet you know a new car, not a not a high end car, but a Toyota Corolla was what two thousand dollars. Today the Corolla is what twenty thousand, twenty five thousand. Household income is average 65,000. So that car is now 30% of household income when it was 10% or 20% of household income. You can kind of see how this disparity is, is happening right before your very eyes. By our calculations, the average household income to keep pace with all of these cost increases should be north of $100,000. So that's part of what's going on. People are feeling it and, and they're trying to grapple with it. And it's, um, it's just one of those things that is difficult to wrap your mind around because we, we, we don't look at the numbers, but we, we do have those emotions and we feel like we're being left out. And many of us, that's exactly what's happening. We are being left out. Yeah, so the word, yes, you're right. And the world is kind of recognizing that and that's forcing wages to go up. I saw a sign outside a local Jack in the Box that said, now hiring $15 an hour starting pay. $15 an hour jack and box. Yeah. And with the sign uh, outside, never right. seen that before there in the 40 years I've been, I've been going around that, that this is by my parents' house. I've never seen that sign there. Well, and, and understand folks, this is important too, because we often blame the foreigners did it, or, you know, it's uh, the world has changed and the jobs are moving overseas. Well, just know as the consumer, let's say Daniel builds a car that costs $20,000 and mine looks identical. It's identical in all the respects. It's $30,000. Now as a consumer, you tell me which one you're gonna buy. By the way, mine's built in the US and his is built, Daniel's is built somewhere else outside of the US, doesn't matter. And we all say, well, we wanna buy the US products, but I, if mine, let's see, is that, uh, that's 40% or so, more, my car's 40% more expensive than Daniel's car. Which one are you gonna vote with with your pocketbook? Probably the less expensive car. So that's part of the conundrum as well. Uh, we want the best possible product produced at the least possible price. That means that product has to be built somewhere where the hourly wages are lower than they are here. Otherwise we're paying more for the same, the, the same object, right? Uh, and when we're voting with a checkbook, who wants to pay more if the quality is exactly the same? So that's, uh, that's part of the equation as well. Uh, how is this uh, pandemic playing out? Do you think that's part of the driver here where people just kind of getting anxious? Well, before we go to that, your point, yeah. and it's, it's funny when you, you say that because everyone says they want to support local business and, and buy American. But 100%. When you, but when you actually look at where people are spending their money at Walmarts and Costco's and Amazon, they're, they're not, the money's not going there. 
It's going right. to the cheaper things. And yes. that's just, it's it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually spend it. And how many of us actually look at where things are are, are made before they purchase it, especially if it's not a big, if it's a big purchase, sometimes you, you will. But for the smaller things, the, the things that you spend the more money on throughout the year, no, you don't look at that. You don't look at where your 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 products are really coming from. No, in fact, I just met a gentleman. Uh, I, I learned as looking at his name. I'm going, okay, where are you from? Bangladesh. I've never. I don't think I've met anybody from Bangladesh. How long have you been here? 2017. Okay, good. Yeah, most people don't uh, can't spell Bangladesh. He says, but if you look at things like Levi jeans, guess what? That's where most of them are made. And by the way, are, they are not made by children. Uh, I loved him making that point. But to your point, yes, we look at Lee. We uh, are Levi's. That's a great uh, American name, right? But where is it manufactured? We're not that interested. All we're looking at is the price. It's just the way we are as far as consumers are concerned, and that's really not going to change. No, it's it's really not. It's only going to get worse and worse with the global markets, and we're we're getting we're going more and more there, and it's becoming less and less even apparent where things are coming from. Well, and and my fantasy is that we would have a big UN meeting, right, with I don't know two hundred countries, uh, two hundred countries, right, represented at the table, and the question is who who which country produces the best possible product at the least possible price. Let's do business with each of those countries, whether you're building, whatever you're building. I want to know what you're building that we're not building as cheaply as you are. But if the quality is good, why don't we buy what you build cheap where you live and you buy what we build cheap where we live. And, and, and by the way, folks, notice that when it comes to things like healthcare and higher education, there is no competition globally. So those expenses have been exponentially higher than everything else because they're, they're very closed systems. So when we want to talk about the foreigners, right, let's understand that the, 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 the folks on this side of the pond where we have closed systems, the prices are dramatically higher in increases than those situations where we have competition. Cars would be a, a very good example. GM owned the space. GM almost got their company handed to them. And that was thanks to the Japanese. We were afraid to buy Japanese cars. And then Lexus comes around, Toyota comes around. And at the time, the early 90s, that was the preferred luxury automobile. Came out of nowhere. But when Mercedes were had doubled from 86 to 89, at least in my experience as class, and you're looking at a Lexus that's back to the $45,000, $50,000 level, and it's got all the fixings and it's very reliable as a Toyota. Again, what are you going to do? And that's where Lexus came out and stole market share, just like that. And it happens over and over and over again. So it does look like uh, workers have shown more enthusiasm for being able to work from home, but that doesn't seem to be going over real well with the employers. And then on the other hand, talking to some of the employers, Daniel, they tell me that they line up these, uh, these applicants and then the applicants don't show. Yeah. I think I had the same experience when we were looking for an admin, uh, the early, well, last year, the year before a lot of people make that, make the appointment to come in and interview and they just don't show up and then they don't say anything and they just, just kind of let it go. So I think, I don't know. I think that's a younger person thing. Well, it's very interesting behavior because uh, the old people, that's just not something you do. At least you call them and say, I'm not coming, but you don't confirm and then don't show. <laughs> it would have never, when I was, I remember when I was first out of college and looking for jobs, that would have never been something I would have done. 
No, you wouldn't think you about it. Of course you you're going to call. just not show up. That's no. something you don't do. After you said yes, that's my word. And then I just, uh, MIA, missing in action. <laughs> and you can't come get me? <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short break, folks. And we're going to come back looking at uh, why is it one bull lured in billions as another Betor belt millions against that bull? That's what we're going to handle next because we think there's some some signs here that we can all kind of pay attention to. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. At Investors Advantage Corporation, our trademark statement, the proof is in the planning, represents the value we see in hard work and perseverance, coupled with a sound plan for the future. With the challenges facing our country's frontline workers, we see a lot being asked and not a lot given in return. To reward our nation's frontline employees and clients, we're offering our financial planning services free for anyone serving in those roles. So whether you're a nurse, a member of the police force, or a retail employee, we'd love to sit down with you and help you plan for the other side of this pandemic. Please feel free to share this offer with the critical infrastructure workers you know who are providing services where they are most needed. Visit ybpoor.com or call us at 805-495-2077. That's ybpoor.com or 805-495-2077. We are located in Thousand Oaks, California. Thank you for your service, and we look forward to lending a hand through your financial journey. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Fiscal Fitness. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at ybpoor.com. Now, back to Fiscal Fitness. Welcome back, my friends. John Grace and Daniel Medina here, Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Glad you could spend some time with us. And we're here every Wednesday, just like clockwork, 12 to 1 Pacific time. And we want to touch on uh, the, you know, if you're going to leave your job 12 months from now or whenever you leave your job, Daniel, should you just leave the money where it was if you had a 401k or some kind of retirement plan where you used to work? Just leave it there because it's easy and cheap. How do you look at this and, and, and what about the costs? There's a lot of things to look at when you're, when you're looking at a rollover. And one of the first things we want you to look at is the cost because it is a big factor. And typically, not always, but typically when you're when you have your money at the 401k, um, the 401k it will usually use low expense mutual funds or exchange traded funds or, or like a Vanguard funds that are, that are low cost. Um, the challenge with keeping it at a 401k 
Yes, you often get the benefit of large, large plan pricing, which makes it cheaper, but the challenge is you have to do it yourself. So you're the one that's making the decisions as to which funds do you buy? Are you in index funds? Are you in targeted funds? Do you go to the individual funds uh, that are growth or international or emerging markets? You're making those decisions. When you're not at the company, you have the option to move it somewhere else. Now, if you're, if you're comfortable doing this kind of work yourself, roll it into an IRA that you direct and using those, those cheaper index funds or exchange traded funds makes a lot of sense. If you're not comfortable doing it yourself, it makes a lot of sense to, to work with the professional that will do this kind of work for you. And some people love doing it themselves. Some people just don't want to think about it and they'd rather hire somebody. And the way I look at it is it's like working on your car. Could you go and learn how to, how to do all the maintenance on your car yourself? Yeah. Do you want to take the time to do it? Is it something you enjoy? I don't. I, I don't want to do it. So I'd rather hire someone to do the same thing for your plumbing. It's, look, that's the way I tend to look at it. They're, when you hire a professional that this is all that they do, there's value to be had. So it's an individual decision as to who you work with. Um, but a lot of the things that we talk about in the show, the planning perspective, uh, insurance, those are things that a professional will help guide you through. So look at all the options as far as leaving your 401k or moving into an IRA where you manage or where you work with, a buyer, work with an advisor and make the decision on is it worth it to work with somebody or do it yourself. Fair questions. And it's a, yeah, it's a personal determination. Uh, but you also want to look at, by the way, people are very comfortable putting the money wherever they put the money when it goes up. They're very comfortable, right? <laughs> uh, who doesn't like the market melting up? It's when it melts down that most of us don't have uh, any kind of plan for, right? So uh, look at your account, uh, 2020, first quarter. Was it off 20% along with the market? Check to see. Otherwise, how do you know? Uh, would Is that an okay loss for you? Uh, would it might be... Uh, more acceptable to you if the loss was, let's say, hypothetically 2% as opposed to 20% for the same time period, first quarter 2020. That's the kind of evidence that you're looking for. What did my account do? Am I okay with that? Versus are there some alternatives for me to consider? And, and the index funds, for the most part, that means that we're leaving the money on the railroad and the railroad's going to do whatever it does, enjoy the highs, and please hold on, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle for the lows because those lows may go lower than you're willing to go. And that's the question. So we're uh, more of a proponent of asking you these kinds of questions and working with you to see what kind of loss can you accept? It's a fair question. And then look for the evidence as uh, we've discussed, a friend of ours knows this stuff, uh, saw the market off 37%, was not aware that his account was off 48% for 2008. And that's the question. Are you doing what the roller coaster is doing? Or do you want your money to be put off to the side out of risk assets into cash while the market's going down like the Titanic? So you can let the market do whatever it does without you seeing that your money is a full participant. How do you keep from getting your assets handed to you becomes the question. And that really works into what we want to discuss in terms of seeing uh, two really strong players. Uh, we talked about the bull throws their prey up into the sky, but then comes down after the target gets dropped on the ground and gores them. That's really vivid. And the bear bears down on its uh, subject, right? It's prey. Uh, so it's interesting how we've got this bull and bear going on, but in terms of life, 
neither one of them really are the survivor in the situation. So we're seeing uh, good news, you know, stocks today seem to be eking out uh, fresh record highs. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the low last year to around last week, markets were up about 100%. So that's when people get very comfortable and very complacent, but they're not at all thoughtful or taking the time to prepare in the event this market moves against them. As I say, the question becomes, what kind of loss is acceptable? Is it 20%? Is it 2%? Is it 80%? And then look to see what can I do so that maybe my account performs within my parameters as opposed to the railroads or the, the, the um, roller coasters parameters, which is, seems to be out of control when they crash and burn with my money on it. I, I, I like roller coasters, personally I do, but not for certainly not for client money. So we see a really fascinating, we've got a stock picker named uh, uh, Kathy Wood and she's betting on innovation. Uh, at the same time, Michael Berry, now you might not remember his name, but he's the one who was uh, on, he was uh, depicted on a, on a great movie uh, who predicted the subprime mortgage crisis, as you might recall. Now he bet millions against her fund. Uh, and I want, we'll talk more about this, but Daniel, explain if you can to our, to our audience, how he's betting against, she's figuring on new highs. He's betting he's gonna make more money by um, putting his money in such a way, you can explain this, where he, he's gonna make money if she loses. How does that work? Well, she's shorting, he's shorting the stock. Um, right. So he's, he's making a bet that the stock is going to go down. And th there's, there's a few different ways to do this, but the, the most common way is with, with, um, with, well, you can do it with puts or with calls, but you're essentially making a bet that the stock's going to go down. So the way they typically work is you, there's a time frame associated with these options and you need the, the, the share price for that particular stock to be below your target price or a certain amount below your target price for it to be for this for you to make money on those on those options so as an example if we're talking if we're talking tesla stock and right now it's about uh, what, 700 let's say the the option is uh 600 um at the end of september if the stock is below $600 at the end of September, your option is in the money and you're making money. If it's above $600, then you're out of the money and your option is worthless. Yeah, and that movie was called The Big Short with Michael Burry. Uh, that was where it, uh, he, the movie detailed his uncovering of the fraud at the heart of the America's subprime mortgage madness, as you might recall. Uh, the Burry was played by Christian Bale, I believe. And here's what he did. He shorted the US housing market. He thought for sure that the collapse was inevitable. Now, it's interesting when people have points of view and what often happens is when those events don't occur in a particular time frame, we often say, oh yeah, they're crazy. They don't know what's going on. But we miss the, the, the sometimes we have to just keep looking a little bit longer. Like I say, keep your eye on the ball. The ball's still in play. So he generated or reported $700 million for investors and pocketed about $100 million for himself by betting against the housing collapse, which of course did happen. When he saw the great financial crisis coming before anyone else's bet, uh, he bet against a certain company or fund. And, and, and that's what we're saying. Investors might want to pay attention because this could be uh, something to watch these two very powerful players 
kind of uh, on 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 the mat, if you will, in the boxing ring, deciding, trying to determine who's going to be the winner. And they're both betting huge. There's only eventually going to be one winner, but that's why our whole point is rather than try and guess who's going to be the winner, rather than try and predict the future, we as investment advisors feel it's our responsibility for clients where this is important to help them see how you can participate in the melt-up, but avoid as much as possible of the meltdown if that's important to you. So, you know, uh, that way you don't have to try and feel good when the market makes you feel sick. You want to look at your account, as I say, uh, in a situation where if the market's off 37%, what kind of downside protection have you established in advance so that you can enjoy the upside potential but limit that downside participation. So uh, Burry, Michael Burry here is, uh, is shorting uh, Kathy Wood's uh, fund. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this, uh, how this plays out, but it, it gets you a chance to, to recognize that there may be some real hurdles right around the corner. And in fact, uh, looking at our, our research team, uh, they have something interesting to say. But first of all, uh, David Stockman, uh, he's a he's a he's well known person. Worked on in Washington for uh, Reagan, and then worked in Wall Street for twenty years. He has no axe to grind. He's not employed by the government, nor is he employed by the securities industry. And he calls this the fattest, faded, most fake bull market in history. That's what he's saying. He sees certainly again. He does not have an axe to grind. He's not. He doesn't have a fund. Uh, he's not uh, shorting as far as I know, but he does have a qualified uh, opinion, and he's very worried about how this might turn out, as is uh, Harry Dent, uh, Dent Research. He says the best leading indicator might be Chinese tech stocks. As he notes, the Fed has printed more money since COVID than during their entire spree from late 2008 to February of 2020, and of course, printing from all major central banks has been off the charts. Central banks want you to believe they have everything under control to keep the economy growing very nicely, not too hot, not too cold. But the US has most notably approved massive fiscal stimulus plans for the first time since the 20, 2009 bottom, and a major bounce in the economy and stocks would of course be expected. However, as Dent has been forecasting, this massive stimulus could not last. It has stretched the economy so far that the law of diminishing returns is increasingly setting in as U.S. natural demographic spending trends are set to hit bottom, he believes, by 2023. We'll come back to that. But the two things, money velocity keeps uh, screaming loudly and is now at the lowest level since the 1930s. So when we come back to this uh, bottom of 2023, recognize folks that we all want things to be just the way they were. Uh, we think that was better for some folks, not all folks. But, but the real point is most of us do not recognize we, are move, we have moved into uncharted territory. First, the U.S. had what, uh, light by 300,000 births in the last year, thanks to COVID. That's, uh, that's not happened before. Worldwide, we now have more people age 65 than we do age five and younger around the world. That's not ha happened before. That's not likely to change. And then more recently, we see that the Hang Seng Index, that's China, peaked at maybe around 11,000 in February, but since then has fallen 48% with no end in sight. We've seen a lot of money pour into China recently. In the first crash, which took all of 14 trading days, 
the Hang Seng Index was down 31%. Uh, that may be a clear signal that this bubble was very likely over. The index has bounced between 7,500 and 8,500 for a few months, and then broke down a second time by 48% to the recent low of uh, 5770. Again, the high looks to be about 11,000 back in February. Now, why is this happening with China tech stocks? Well, it may be the, the, that government's dollars at work. It seems that uh, as a result of increasing regulation by China's government, which doesn't want to be showed up by the private sector, and China's tapering mildly ahead of the US along with Europe under their but some people consider a naive assumption that you can do so without bursting a bubble of this magnitude, right? We've got everything under control. Just keep your heads down, keep spending your eye teeth out. Don't save anything for yourself because uh, this is what we do. And you have to believe that this is the best thing for you. But that may prove that they are truly China, the new kid in town. So Dent Research has suspected that China might be the trigger uh, for this great crash uh, as compared to the US, which triggered the 2008 crisis. And the proof is that, uh, you know, where does this end up? Well, stay tuned. We'll, we'll be talking about this. But if we see that uh, that uh, Hang Seng Index gets to about uh, 1,000 from 11,000, that's a decline of about 90%. Uh, imagine that. Uh, and as we've talked before, whether we're looking at the U.S. economy after the Great Depression or the Japanese economy after 1989, both took uh, decades for both stocks and real estate to fully recover. And what that means in some cases, particularly with the Great Depression, it took uh, maybe two decades for stocks and four decades for real estate. And life expectancy was about 57, if I'm not mistaken. So that means if you had some money, the markets for real estate and stocks and real estate in New York and stocks across the country didn't come back until, well, you have been long pushing up Daisy. So, you know, it's like, it always comes back. Yeah. But will it in my lifetime? Will it when I need the money or, or, or will I suffer and feel regret for the rest of my life? And that's the primary driver that uh, worries the, the, the two of us. Daniel is uh, cautiously optimistic, uh, looking at uh, some of the bright people that we have uh, uh, the chance to actually speak with and learn from. They're not cautiously optimistic. They believe that it's in short order, uh, the wheels are coming off the wagon. And again, it's not about the prediction, it's about the preparation. So we're gonna suggest that now's the time for you to look to see if there's a fire in the building, uh, where are the exit, uh, identify the exits long before you need to use them and make sure you have two or three exits. So that's what the whole point is about making sure you see what you can do to keep your assets intact as opposed to leave them on the, on the roller coaster and watch them uh, crash and burn because you never know how soon things can happen. And again, looking at the, uh, the uh, China Hang Seng Index down 31% uh, in, in two weeks of trading days, uh, 14 trading days. That's pretty dramatic. So we're going to leave it there, folks. This is uh, John Grace and Daniel Medina here at Fiscal Fitness at Voice America. Uh, we'll be right back here next Wednesday, bringing you up to speed on where we see things going with the good news and the bad news so that you can be better prepared for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen. Have a great week. We'll see you right back here next week, Wednesday, 12 to 1, Voice America. Pacific. Thank you for tuning to Fiscal Fitness. Please join John Grace and co-host Daniel Medina again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have an excellent week.
Thanks again.